Well, good morning, church family. I am so excited to bring the word to you today because um, it has been a challenging one for me this week, and I hate to break it to all of you, but the rest of summer looks like it's going to be challenging as Paul um, addresses how we are to live as believers. So let's get right into it with Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through the deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Those of you who know me know that I like to dress up in costume. (laughs) Something I like to do. And in uh, 2010, um, Disneyland began to host a thing called Mickey's Halloween Party. And so I talked my entire extended family into going to this event. I let them know that um, the directions say to dress up in costume and to get creative. They agreed and they all began to work on their individual costumes and themes for their families. And finally, the day arrived. We spent all morning preparing. And in our tickets, it says you can go three hours before the event starts. We were so excited. We start driving in our caravan down to Disneyland. And as we get closer, we start to notice that no one's in costume. (laughs) And as we pull into the parking structure and look around, no one is in costume. And so we get out of our cars, our kids are literal with our strollers and all of our themed costumes. And of course, my siblings start to complain as they get out of the car. Sarah, what have you gotten us into? No one is in costume. People think we are insane. And don't we have this fear, right? We have this fear that we're not going to fit in. We don't want to show up somewhere in a pirate costume or a Star Wars costume and be the only one there, and it's obvious you weren't supposed to. We want people to like us. Not to think that we're crazy, but want to be around us. We have this pull to be accepted, Paul in chapter 4 says, yes, you are accepted by Jesus Christ in your church family. But when it comes to the world, you're to look differently. And what that means for us, church family, is that we've got to get comfortable with sticking out in a crowd. With sometimes feeling out of place. 
like we don't belong. On a side note, when we did get closer to the gate, there were people in costumes. So I just want you to know, I'm vindicated that we got there. There were people. And as the night went on, more and more people began to show up in costume. And I feel like there's come some kind of um, sermon analogy in there that we could use for the kingdom of God. But that's for another time. Last week, we learned that the church is called to use its giftings to edify and encourage one another in maturity of faith and in love. In this chapter, Paul is painting with a broad brush stroke. He is saying, because of the good news of what God has done through Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit, this is what the church is to look like as a body of believers, as Pastor David Miles talked about last week. And this week, this is what the church should look like in the world. These first two sections in chapter 4 are the introduction to the very detailed instructions of how we are to live in God's new society. If you've ever wondered what your next steps should be to mature in your faith, don't worry. Paul's going to cover that over the next several weeks. And what I can promise you is you're going to be challenged. Because living in God's new society is so counter to our culture. It's so counter to our own desires that it's going to make us feel uncomfortable. But if we want to see people being freed from the bondage of sin if we want to see people go from death to life, if we want to see people go from loneliness and despair to hope and love and community, church family, we need to be okay with getting a little uncomfortable with facing some things in our own lives. We are invited to partner in God's new society. We are called to live differently. We are called to be salt and light. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We need to listen carefully to what Paul is saying here in Ephesians, so that we can be a light to the world, so that glory may be given to our Father in heaven, that we can live in a way that points people to the Lord as our act of worship to a God that turns graves into gardens. Let's start with 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. The word futility here could be translated as emptiness or purposelessness. What Paul is saying here is that we are called to more. 
God has a plan and a purpose for your life. We are not elect just for our own enjoyment. God, through his regenerating and sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, calls us to be a witness to the world. You are not an accident. You are not a random occurrence. God has strategically placed you in your family, in your neighborhood, in this church, in this city, in this state, in this country, to be a witness so that God's name would be glorified. We get to be ambassadors for Christ. We get to show the world a new way to live. So Paul says, don't try to mimic culture. Don't live as the non-believers do. Because according to verse 18, they don't get it. They don't understand what the purpose of all of this is. They don't understand what God is doing. They don't know that he is freeing people from bondage and death. Not only does the world not understand, it says also in verse 18 that they are alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and their hardness of heart. This is a purposeful ignorance. It's a choice. And the fact that it can lead to being alienated from the life of God should send a chill down your spine. God wants to be in relationship with you. He sent his one and only son to die for you, to mend that broken relationship so that he can be with you. Don't live in purposeful ignorance. Maybe you're here for the first time and you're just checking this Christianity thing out. Or maybe you've been a believer for a really long time, but in your heart you have questions You have doubts. That is wonderful. I'm so glad. That is great. But you know what's not wonderful, church family? When you keep those questions and doubts to yourself. So I encourage you, if you are struggling with something, we welcome that here. After service, go back to our next environment and learn about getting in a small group, in a Bible study, or make an appointment with a pastor. Don't waste your time sitting in doubts and questions in purposeful ignorance. Verse 19 goes on to say that they have become callous because of the sinful practices they were doing. We know more than we would like to admit that this is what happens. That the more you do something, the easier it gets. And the more that you do it, the easier it is to justify it. Maybe you just started drinking socially with friends. Then it led to just getting drunk with friends. Now you can't go to bed at night without it. Maybe you started taking prescription pain medication for a real medical issue, but now you can't get through your day without it. Maybe you started looking at inappropriate things online because you were curious 
and now you constantly crave it. Maybe you started out just gathering prayer requests, but you loved how you felt being in the know, and now you live for every piece of juicy gossip so that you can turn around and share it with others. The problem with habitual sin is the more you do it, the more automatic it gets. We know this from experience, but we also know this from how God made us. We are born with about 100 billion brain cells. Don't nudge your spouse, like, who has more or less? But we 100 billion brain cells, and those brain cells develop these branches called dendrites. If you look at them under a microscope, it actually kind of looks like a tree. And every time you learn something new or you start a new habit, you start to build branches off of that cell. And the more you do something, the more branches start to go off of the cell and the stronger they get and the more automatic the response becomes. So by participating in sinful behavior, you are changing the structure of your brain. I love when the Bible beats science to the punch. So let's look at Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So how do we renew our minds? This summer, um, we're going through a book with our interns called Liturgy of the Ordinary. And a couple weeks ago, there was a story about a professor who had assigned to his students to read through all of Augustine's confessions. So the student came to the professor to complain, and he comes with a whining, oh, it's so boring. And the professor's response was, no, it's not boring. You're boring. I just, I love this picture because I can imagine the student's face, like this shocked look, like how dare you, but it so speaks to what we are talking about. You see, we have so trained our brains to crave junk. With all the social media scrolling, with all of the late night binging of the latest shows, we need to renew our minds so that we crave the things of God. And you do this by replacing the junk with the everlasting. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Just as habitual sin changes the structure of your brain, so does habitual prayer. So does habitual worship. So does habitual study of God's word. So Paul has warned us about how we shouldn't live like the Gentiles live. But then he goes on in verse 20 to tell us what we should do to accomplish this. 
But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. How have we learned Christ? In chapters 1 through 3, Paul went into detail about what Jesus Christ has done for us. How he has blessed us, saved us, redeemed us, and reconciled us. Our response to this act of grace and love is one of worship. We choose to put off the old self, to not live as the Gentiles do. Remember that this letter was a circular letter. So it was meant to go around to all the churches in the area. And by that, we can conclude that this was a real issue for many early believers of the church. They would come together as a church for fellowship and then walk out the door in their old garment, even though they have been given a new one. I love that it says the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. Where does it belong? Your former manner of life. Your old sinful self was crucified on the cross with Jesus. So stop putting it back on. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, You have been healed. So imagine that you have been walking around in a trash bag. It's okay, you don't have to imagine I brought one. Sorry, former children's ministry director, so you're going to get props. Some of you guys are like, she could be on Project Runway. So... Imagine that you have been walking around in a trash bag and Jesus comes to you and says, you don't have to wear that anymore. I have bought with my blood this new garment for you to wear. And you take it. You say, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to wear this on Sundays. Right? That's ridiculous. That's so crazy. But this is what the believers were doing. They were walking around like trash bags, even though they had been clothed in righteousness. But we do this too. We keep that old trash bag in our closet so that we can pull it out, so we can fit in. Look at me, culture. I'm just like you. It's okay. I'm not weird. I'm totally just like you. I watch the same shows that celebrate every manner of ungodly behavior. We can talk about it at work. Culture, I'm just like you. I'm out for number one. I'll fight for the top. I don't care who I hurt or who gets in my way. I'm about me. Culture, I'm just like you. I'm not weird. 
Don't you want to be around me? Don't worry, I won't make you feel uncomfortable. I'm not going to tell you about my faith because I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. I don't want you to feel unsafe around me. We want to have it both ways. We want to wear this beautiful garment in secret or with other believers but we want to put on the trash bag so we can be accepted, so we can fit in. Paul is challenging believers that this is not how we are to live. He wants us to be living in the fullness of Christ's gift. Christ takes our garbage bags, our sin, our shame, and instead clothes and cloaks us in his righteousness. He wants to show us a better way to live. Colossians 3.12 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy, beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Church family, you are God's chosen ones, holy, and beloved. Let me say that again. You are God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And you may not be feeling that today. You may have been walking around in a trash bag, but it doesn't make it any less true. You are God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. The price has been paid. You didn't do anything to earn it, but your old sinful self was crucified with Christ. And he wants you to walk in new life through the renewing of your mind. That you would choose daily to live free from the bondage of sin that you would take off the old self, that you would clothe yourself in Christ's righteousness, that you would live in the fullness of God's new society so that the world may praise our Heavenly Father. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we want more. We want to live in a life of fullness and completeness, We want to be able to wrap ourselves in your love, in your grace, in your righteousness. Some days we feel like we deserve to be in that trash bag. And we're right, we do. But you said that's okay. I've paid the price with my blood so that you don't have to live that way anymore. Lord, we ask that you would help us to see those places in our life where we can replace the junk that we are filling our lives with and instead don't waste our time on those things but fill them with everlasting things, things that matter, that you would create in us a hunger for you, for your word, to worship you, to love you, to praise you. Lord, we don't want to thirst or chase things that are going to crumble like dust. We want to chase after you. Only you are eternal. Only you know us completely. Only you know the purpose and plan for our life. Lord, we ask that you would use us 
Heal us. Help us to take off that sin. To set aside that trash that we keep picking up and carrying with us and hand it to you. And instead, take that righteous garment and wrap it around us. In your holy name we pray. Amen.